up something. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher Ain't no more excuses valid, get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper, I've been chasing greatness I'm stacking now and balling later, in the conversation We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments And sacrificing temporary sh for bigger blessings Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million if you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it No Deanna, speak that sh** that everybody voucher Ain't no more excuses valid, get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant What's up, guys? Before we start this week's episode, I want to encourage you all to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on our podcast channel. We greatly appreciate it. Also, for those of you who are interested in creating your own podcast, I will be releasing my podcast course for pre-order January 22nd. In the course, I break down how I make four to five figures monthly in podcasting and how you can make money podcasting, the fundamentals of podcasting, how to find your niche, building a loyal audience, effective marketing strategies, complex interview tactics, how to scale your podcast, and so much more. To sign up, go to www.thekeystopodcasting.com. Pre-order price begins on January 22nd for just $399.99. Then after February the 8th, it will be $499.99. Go sign up now so you will be the first notified when it releases so you can lock in the pre-order price and start building a successful podcast. Can we see you all in the course? Enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Xavier. I'm sitting with my co-host, D as usual. Hey, everybody. And today we have another, another special episode. I feel like this episode is going to be ex extremely valuable. For those who may follow me on Twitter, I kind of tweeted about last week. I said I have a guest coming on that's in the brewery industry that's killing it. And I know a lot of people are saying, when is it coming? When is it coming? So uh, we, 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 we getting it done right now. And for those who don't know, we're going to get right into it. His name is Josh Landon. He's the father and CEO of Ashton Hard Seltzer and the founder of St. Archer Brewery. And we super excited to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. I think this is, like I said, I think this is going to be extremely valuable for our listeners. And uh, just getting right into it. So for the people who may not be familiar with you, who may not know what's going on, do you mind just giving a background on yourself? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I um, I grew up in Ventura, California, which is about 30 minutes south of Santa Barbara here in Southern California. It's, you know, like a small little coastal sleepy beach town, blue collar town. Um, I grew up there and, you know, never, um, just played sports and, and surfed, started surfing when I was in, in high school and kind of fell in love with surf films. Um, and I taught myself how to be a filmmaker. Um, so before all these businesses and, um, you know, I was a filmmaker for my, my whole career. I didn't, 
I didn't go to college and I was just really focused on, on, you know, being a filmmaker and um, wound up making 10 or so documentary type films. And, um, you know, they, they did well, like they did well, fortunately was able to win quite a few film festivals around the U S with, with a couple of them and started directing music videos in Los Angeles, which was an absolute nightmare. Um, and just not what, you know, what you think it is when you're growing up watching MTV, it's, it's actually not as glamorous as you would think, but, um, and then just kind of out of the blue, I, I had the idea for St. Archer, you know, like, um, I didn't, I, I was on a surf trip and a tequila business approached a friend of mine who was on the surf tour at the time and um, they wanted him to invest in the business and be an ambassador. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really see that, but if you wanted to do, you know, beer, everybody drinks beer for the most part. And if you wanted to do a craft beer, um, that'd be even better. And cause you actually drink it and the light bulb went off. Like, I wonder why there's never been a craft beer from our culture of skateboarding and and surfing primarily those two and then kind of everything around that that kind of encompasses the authentic kind of California lifestyle not so much like on the beach in Malibu but like real California right not not that kind of bullshit California and um and so I think um you know I so I said I you know why don't well, I'm just gonna do one you know I'm gonna do a craft beer the only problem was is I wasn't a brewer <laughs> And uh, growing up in Ventura, I didn't know anybody in the beer business. So I didn't really know anything about anything when it came to alcohol and um, just kind of started to figure stuff out. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, see, you just touched, it's a lot of things I want to touch on in it. But yeah. first, I want to ask about when you said, and this is just, I didn't even plan on asking this, but since, since uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit, like the Hollywood, why did you say, it wasn't like all that people think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Hollywood um, and Los Angeles in general, it, it, I think there's some beautiful parts and there's things I like about it. But for the most part, when you get into like the music and movie and all that kind of deal, it's not, it's just not, you know, it's not for me anyways, I guess like, <laughs> you know, like my, uh, my wife and I, we've been together since we were 15 years old. And, and when I was making music videos, you know, we had, my daughter was about four, three or four. And my son, my oldest son was just born. And, you know, like, if you really want to do it and like get started and like really, you know, in the film business, like you got to live in LA, right? Maybe once you're established and, you know, you're, you're actually like a working director, or actor or whatever you're doing kind of live wherever you want but um you know if you want to get started you got to be there and for me living in Los Angeles was not an option you know I wouldn't want to raise a family there and it's just not an option so, understood. yeah understood. yeah and you know like bands are high maintenance and you know the, <laughs> la the labels are high maintenance and like you know everybody thinks they like know what they're doing creatively when really they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right? <laughs> so, so like it's, yeah. 
So you get kind of like, you know, I think if you creatively want to do something, that's really not like the, not probably the place. Oh, okay. Okay. So I wanted to go into like just the business side of things now. So you said you didn't really have a background in the brewer industry. So that's, that's mm -hmm. interesting in and of itself, because a lot of times people yeah. think they can't go into fields or industries when they don't have any backgrounds or dealings with it. So like what gave you... Yeah. That, that confidence to say, I'm gonna still take this on even though I don't really have anything to do with this. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had no business background really at all, um, let alone- That's amazing. Yeah, let alone brewing beer. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, it's funny, people ask that a lot, like they, or they wanna know, like, you know, I think a lot of people are looking for that magic bullet of like you know well i heard josh say this and now like now i'm i'm an entrepreneur because like i'm inspired and this is the roadmap to do it and and um you know everything just you know they want to put it in a little box but at the end of the day like having the confidence to do it that's really just like innately my personality right that's not like a learned trait right i as a filmmaker, that's that's very entrepreneurial, right? You're you're creating it, and you're making documentaries. You're creating it. You're getting some sort of funding for it. You're getting um, distribution for it. You're you're marketing it to a certain level, um, you know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of learnings from that that you could take into building a business. But like having the confidence to jump into the deep end is just it's really just me and my personality and, and yeah, not really having that, that fear mechanism. And I think like the fear in business, um, but I think like having, um, you know, the, one of the bigger things, and I think one of the things that gets really overlooked in these types of situations where, you know, if your spouse, you know, husband or wife, whatever it is, um, you know, they, they kind of, um, you know, they can shoot down a, a entrepreneur or, or um, aspiring business owners dreams. And I think a lot of ways it ends right there, right? Like it, it, you know, if I go to my wife and say, Hey, I want to start a brewery, we're moving to San Diego, like pack everything up. There's a lot of women or men that would say, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, we're not, we're not going anywhere. Like you, nope. we have two kids and like, we got to pay the bills and like our family's here and like all these like laundry list of reasons to not do it. And in a lot of ways it kind of ends right there. Right. Like that's, that's it. But for me, you know, Janine, she, she, I came home and said, I'm quitting, I'm quitting uh, making films and we're going to do St. Archer and we're moving to San Diego. And um, she said, I'll find us a place to live. You know, so like, so a lot of it really starts there, right? And I think if you're, you know, I had confidence in myself to do it, but I think taking it like another step forward, um, you know, wish with her supporting me, you kind of feel like, okay, yeah, like we're, we're doing this, right? Like it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's also a common theme I hear from uh, people that aren't married. I remember on the previous episode, we had somebody and he was explaining how he had, he flipped a thousand dollars to five million within three years. And I asked mm -hmm. him, 
because he was married and then when he had a thousand dollars and he said his wife played a big role because she supported him throughout the process she didn't give yep. him any like flack or any hard time and i feel like that's extreme that's extremely important because like you said somebody might have say like oh no we have x amount of kids we can't do this no. we can't afford this and your Most. whole dream is dead that's it. Most people do that, right? Yeah, like most yeah. people would say that it's a scary thing. And especially like, you know, especially doing something you know nothing about, you know, like, she, you know, Janine was never like, what do you mean you're doing a beer? You don't even really drink beer. You know what I mean? Like, what are you like? <laughs> and you're building a brewery in Sandy. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to be really confused. I, I didn't even know what a capital raise was. And I had wow. no idea. I had no idea what a capital raise was. I had no idea how you even build a business. And so when I told her, like, you know, we're moving to San Diego, I'm gonna do what's called a capital raise, and like, people are gonna give me three million dollars to like build this brewery from scratch. You know, like looking back, it's like, dude, <laughs> it like, sounds it's, insane. It sounds ridiculous, right? Like I mean, it, it just, it sounds ridiculous, but, mm. um, but in the moment it didn't sound ridiculous, you know, like mm -hmm. that was the, you know, I knew that the brand, when I was looking at other brands, you know, you come from skateboarding, especially, you know, in skateboarding, everything is all brand, right? It's all marketing and it's all the way, you know, different skateboard brands tell stories and those types of things. And I was, looking at um you know the craft beer industry and there was nobody doing that there was no real brands and like coming from skateboarding i knew that with my friends that were pro skaters and surfers and every all of us that owned it together i knew we would be able to tell stories and and develop a brand that really had not been seen in craft beer yet and um, really saint archer could have been a clothing company or accessories or shoes or it just so happened we were a craft beer, um, but it, but the brand that was created really could have really could have done well in a lot of different places, and you know somehow raised three million dollars and built a seventeen thousand square foot brewery just east of La Jolla here in San Diego. It's amazing. I love so, it. I love. Yeah. Go ahead, D. I see you want to say something. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say like I truly I do really love the inspiration behind it and just hearing how everything pretty much like how the idea came to life but can you explain to us pretty much what that first year looked like for you guys because we know not everything is just going to be an automatic overnight success so what right. were some of the ups and downs and experiences that you had getting it up the off the ground especially being new in the yeah. industry yeah I mean um so like we, we did have a success immediately. Um, you know, the first year was like, it was insane. We started, you know, we were the fastest growing craft beer in California pretty much overnight. Um, but I think the hardest thing was even if like we went through like the sales kind of cycles and maybe there's like a few up and down months and things like that. I think, I think the hardest thing for me was like really, really, um, you know, learning how to be the leader of a business. And I think, you know, I had never been a CEO of a company or, you know, like aside from bartending, like I never even really had a job, you know, like making that films, crazy. You, you know, you could, you could say like, you know, I was a filmmaker and like I was making a living and supporting my family, but like a traditional job I hadn't had since my early twenties of 
you know, um, bartending and bussing tables and doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so like now you're kind of in an environment in a, in a work environment and you, you, you have a lot of people working for you and, um, you know, learning how to, um, do that takes a lot of time. And I think not only learning how to be a leader, but you're, you're kind of going through firing people. And like, I mean, I think I fired four or five people in my first two months and like having never been through those emotional kind of conversations, you kind of find out the kind of person you are too. Like, do you have the stomach for this? Do you have the stomach to like, um, you know, in a lot of ways, people are going to blame you for like this negative turn in their life, regardless of whether it's their fault or not, right? They're going to blame you. That's what people do. Um, and like me going through all that and, and knowing I had to do what's best for the business, that was a huge learning experience for me. And, um, you know, I think just, it, it was a, it was a, you know, being, you know, being at the top of a business, um, is a lonely place. You know, it's a lonely place. It's not, um, you know, I believe in like you as the leader, as the overall leader, you, you, you need some distance between you and everybody else because you need to make those really hard decisions. And it's, it gets much harder when you're having barbecues with somebody, right. And you're hanging out with their <laughs> kids and you're, you know, you're, so I'm a, you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, but that creates a lot of alone time, right? Like you're, no one really understands what it's like to have the whole business on your shoulders and um, you don't want to get too close to them. So it created this, like, it, it's pretty lonely. Um, and I think, you know, I think what one of the major things, especially, you know, there's a big difference between a business owner, an employee, obviously a business owner, and then like an entrepreneur, right? There's a, there's a huge difference between entrepreneur and business owner. Break that down for the people. Yeah. So like for me, and I didn't really know, you know, until I sold St. Archer, a lot of the reasons why I wanted to sell it was to see how I would feel. Right. It wasn't, it, I've never been motivated by money. Um, and I'm motivated by the competition, right? I want to win by any means necessary at all times. Right. Uh, and I so love it's, it. it's not really. So then when you, when you kind of win and you get to the top, then how are you going to feel, right? Are you going to, are you going to want to do it again? Are you, you know, are you the person that says, well, I want to go buy this house and I want to drive a Bentley and I want to like do all these things. Or, you know, do you want to just like stay in this business forever and go, dude, I did it once. I'm good. I got a job. My family's good. Like financially we're fine. Um, you know, and for me, I wanted to keep competing. And I, I wasn't, I didn't care about the money. I, I didn't even like, I had zero reaction to the money. I wasn't like, I wasn't, people ask me all the time. It's probably the most common question. What was it like when you like got the wire and like, what you, what crazy shit did you go buy? Right. You know, like, um, <laughs> I didn't do anything. I didn't even really smile. Um, I wasn't like really even like proud of myself for what I had accomplished, like nothing, nothing. I just wanted to like, I just wanted to dive in and then keep winning with core. Like I wanted to keep building the business. Um, and I think like that's that. So like I knew that I was an entrepreneur 
then, right? I didn't know. You don't know until you're presented with, with the options, right? Like, that's what I think it's so funny when people are like, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur. You do? Well, how the fuck do you know? Because you never even had the, you, you haven't even started one business, let alone like five to be like a, an entrepreneur, right? And like, you know, people read the magazines and they, you know, they listen to podcasts and they go, I want to be, I want to be an entrepreneur, dude, being an entrepreneur sucks, right? Like there's, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot. It's like, I always tell people it's 99% stress and ups and downs and like emotional and physical toll on you. And then there's moments of fun. There's not even like extended periods of fun. It's like, (laughs) it's like, it's moments that you have here and there, right? And so um, I think I think that's, you know, people, I think one of the biggest things and what I always tell people is like, almost the most important thing is, is like figuring out who you are, right? Like really, fi- that's like, that's why, you know, I didn't go to college. So like, I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to go into school and like, people should be taking that time to like really figure out who you are. You know, do, are you a, are, who, who are you? And are you, would you rather work for somebody? Would you rather build a business for 30 years? Do you have like so many ideas in your head? You can't sleep at night and you want to do this business and that business. And then, then you kind of like figure out who you are. But, um, you know, for me, I figured out that, that I was an entrepreneur for better or for worse, because it's, um, it's definitely put my family through a lot you know, and me and myself. It's, mm, that's uh, powerful. yeah, <laughs> that's, powerful. that's powerful. And I, I, I know Deanna, she can vouch as well. I, I mean, now that we out the military, we work way more, way harder than we did when we was in. And it might sound For crazy sure. to people. So I, so I definitely, I, I can understand that. But I want to ask you about, um, like specifically like raising capital, because I feel like this is an extremely yeah. important topic for entrepreneurs. So like, what, how were you able to like convince people to give you yeah. millions of dollars with no like yeah. even like background in history or something. Right. Like that's that's yeah. like that's amazing Crazy. in itself. Yeah, for sure. No, it's um, you know, I think it's 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 um it kind of goes back to that God given, you know, do you have a God given right. ability to um articulate your vision and and motivate folks to believe in and then in a certain way follow your vision whether it's an investor or an employee or you know do you have that god-given ability right like that's you know i think that's one of the things that i was was blessed with was the ability to articulate a vision and and then and kind of get people excited about it right but i think the biggest thing and and you know, people, this is the scary part that people have a hard time with is, you know, the reason why the reason why I was able to raise $3 million is because when I was going to folks, they were like, let me get this straight. You have two kids under the age of five. You moved a wife to San Diego. You have no money. You put all of your money into this business, which wasn't much, right? You have no paycheck. And you're building this brewery, yeah. I got fucking 25k, right? Like you're, you're, you know, like <laughs> you, you know, you're, you are in the fucking deep end, 
right? Like that's the, and that's where you need to be, but that's the scariest place for folks, right? There's no backup job. There's no side hustle. There's no, none, none of this stuff. Like you are in the deep end. And like, that's what people, you know, all the folks that asked me to invest in their business or, or, you know, for advice or, you know, all these different things, like, that's all I want to hear. Like, this is, this is what you're doing. There is no backup plan. You are going to die before this thing fails. And mm -hmm. like, you can talk all that shit all you want, right? But people can see it in your eyes, right? They can like, they look at me and dude go, this dude is a killer, right? He's, he's doing it or they're going to have to kill him, right? So it's, and I think that's the, you know, I think those, that stuff is like, that's, that's not, you don't like develop that. No, you don't. That's, that's either in you or it's not, right? It's, um, and that's what I think, like, you know, that's a scary thing to do, you know, and do, do people, you know, are you, does fear get in the way? And I think for, for most it does. But I think every, you know, successful kind of entrepreneur or startup that came from nothing, right? Like, dude, I, I, this is, I came from nothing, just like everybody else, like middle-class parents. We didn't have shit, like, you know, we didn't, I didn't have this like affluent life. Um, everybody that comes from that, they, there's a fear mechanism up here that goes, I'm fucking doing it anyway. Right? Like, and then, you know, it's like, I think that, when people feel that they want to be a part of that, right? It's kind of contagious when you say, wow, look at, it's like inspiring. Like this dude just put everything on the line. Like I want to be a part of that. And, um, and it worked out. Ultimately I wound up raising 10 million over the first two years of the business. Um, you know, I've raised 45 million now over the last six wow. years for, for all of the businesses that I've created. But um, you know, the conversations are all pretty much the same. It's a little bit easier now, right? But um, it's, uh, it's the yeah, same proof. conversation. Like my, I'm just as fired up now as I was then. Mm, I, I, some, man, something that you said that I hope didn't go over people's head. And it's funny that you said it because I just talked about this recently, that you said you pretty much like, would die for this to become successful. And I talked about, I, I randomly was reading something and I came across a quote and it said that, it said, greatness is a willingness to die. And I talked about this with a lot of people and a lot of people, they, they didn't like fully comprehend. Like, and I'm like, I think this, in my opinion, yeah. this is what separates from people yeah. from doing great things and those that's not. Yeah. Like if you really truly into something, you're willing to die to make sure this becomes successful. Yeah. And that, I think people that don't have something they're living for, where they don't feel that energy towards, it's hard yeah. to do good things if you don't carry that energy. Like I'm willing to die behind this literally for this to be as big as I want it to be. So I think that that alone, that says so much. I love, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think too, there's like on the other side of that, there's a lot of repercussions to that, right? <laughs> like, there's, um, there's, there's some, the, some casualties that happen when you, are that, you know, in a lot of ways, psychotic. It's it's like, a, it's a very um, competitive, you know, like I, the best analogies are always sports or like the comparisons that I always see. And, yep. you know, like 
dude, you know, I make up stories in my head, like, you know, different challenges and, and like, I'll like create a beef with something just to like motivate me. And that's crazy, right? Like, you know, I could have a conversation and go, wait, yeah, fuck them. Now I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And like the person next to me could go, what do you mean? They're like excited for you, <laughs> right? Like, and, um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, when you have that, like, I'm going to die trying, there's a lot of people that get hurt through that process, you know, like, you know, um, Janine, it was hard on her. That's hard. That's hard to deal with. Like, you know, you need a certain amount of things and like, you know, he's going to work anyways, right? Like, you, you know, that your relationship is going to take a toll and, and, um, you know, the, the time you have with your kids or your family or whatever it is, like that stuff's all going to suffer. So, um, you know, you need to be, you need to really like dive into yourself and go, is all that sacrifice worth it? Is it worth it? Like, cause you know, potentially you could lose everything too. You know, like the two hardest years of my marriage was doing St. Archer, not even close, not even close. Wow. wow. Um, and, you know, so it's like, you know, I could have like, dude, we could have gotten divorced, you know, like we, anything could have happened. That wouldn't have been crazy in the time. Um, you know, Janine just goes, dude, I have enough. it's enough. You know, like you're not here when you're here, you're not even here mentally, right. You're just checked out. And, um, after a while people get sick of that shit, man, you know, and that's, it just, and like, so it's like, there's, there's, it's like the, you know, it's the glamorous thing to say, like people give you praise for being this like, you know, competitive driven, um, successful person. But, but it really like, should you be having a lot of praise? Cause you probably sacrificed a lot of other things along the way and hurt people along the way. Man, you, know? you, <laughs> you, I feel like you hitting the core right now. Cause it, <laughs> this is so <laughs> funny. And I, and I haven't talked about this on the podcast much, but um, like this past, this past winter fall, it was the first time I seen my family in over two years because I've yeah. been like, I live in Cali. They on the, they on the uh, East coast living. I lived in Cali. They were in Florida. So, and I was so busy trying to like work and build myself up. I didn't, I didn't go see him. Yeah. And I remember talking and talking to one of my friends that he's he's a uh, multi-millionaire. He was telling me he was like, that's part of the lifestyle. But he was like, at the same time, he was like, yeah. you have to, that's your family. Cause something happened and I had to go see him. And I felt yeah. I kind of felt like shit in a moment because I'm like, I've been putting this off so long. Like, what if yeah. the worst thing happened and they weren't here no more? And I would have never seen them again. So it was like, like you said, it's not, it sounds glamorous, but it's it's it's, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some ugly parts to it as well that I don't know if anybody, everybody can handle. No, I mean, I think it's like, you, you know, you sacrifice a lot. And then especially when you kind of get to where you want to go, right? And then you look back and go, man, was all that worth it? Like, was it worth it? You know, do I, do I feel that much different? Do, you know, I think the goal is, is like when you get to a place, it, it's it, for me, and I'm there now, which is good, but it's just a place of contentment. When I go, dude, I'm good. I'm good. Like I, I did everything that I wanted to do. Um, I'm content with, with what I've done and who I am and being authentic to myself. I don't feel like I have any more to prove. Like I, I, I did it. 
you know? And I think if you can get there for whatever your goal is, but like, if your goal is material, dude, you are in for a shocker, right? You are in for the biggest shock. It's, I mean, it's, it, it never gets there. And like, so for me, I'm happy that I kind of figured that out at 41 and my kids are still, you know, young and, um, you know, I've always been a hands-on dad, but, you know, I'd say about four years ago or so, um, when St. Archer was kind of winding down, like we'd sold it to Coors and I was about to leave, um, you know, they're just the most important thing, Janine and the kids and everything else is a distant second. And the funny thing is, is when I, when I finally like got to that place, I actually became more efficient with work and like, I became a, uh, uh, I was, you know, I, I started to become even more successful than I was with St. Archer, you know, and building Ashland now, and, you know, there's a couple businesses in between, but Ashland is like nothing I've ever seen in an alcohol business ever. I've never seen it. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, um, so I, you know, there's a lot that goes into this stuff, right? Like a lot of the times, you know, like, you know, I don't read any business books or any of that shit, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like have any, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I just don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't listen to podcasts. I just never really gotten into it. You know what I mean? Like your boys listening to Philadelphia sports radio to and from work outside of that. Like, I'm not really doing anything else. Like, I just um, don't, I don't really have it. And so I think um, everybody's different, but you, you, um, you know, I've never been motivated by other brands. You know, I've been motivated by like little things. Like um, I was just telling uh, one of the folks who works at Supreme is an investor in Ashland. And, um, you know, I was talking about James Jebbia, the founder. And I was just saying, I'm like, you know, the I'm not really in, the brand is not really my aesthetic, but um, the the discipline of James is like, I've never seen anything like it. I've never like it's uh the discipline just go this is our brand this is what we do regardless of opportunity regardless of anything else he's stuck to his guns for the last 25 years and um I mean supreme will never happen again but no. um the discipline from him is the reason why they're there it's pretty nuts wow I'm mad. I'm mad. I only I've only read a little bit about him so I'm going to have to do more more research Oh man he that. is He's second to none, man. The dude is an animal. Yeah. And it shows, the end product shows. So I can, yeah. I can, definitely, I can definitely believe it. And uh, I want to ask you about, so like after, even with when you uh, built built your company, after you raised the capital, what was those first steps you did when you, after after raising the money to, to create the brand and make it something? Yeah, so I had to go rate, I mean, I had to hire, I mean, you know, you have to hire brewers. I mean, I guess you got to make some beer. <laughs> If you're going to like, you better, you know, and if I'm not a brewer, like I better figure out how the fuck we're going to make this stuff and sell it. And so, you know, being in, in San Diego, it's the craft beer capital of the U S. So I was, I was able to meet a couple folks and, and, you know, I was able to hire a staff and I mean, you know, man, like just kind of being in the middle of it. That's why I wanted to do it here. Um, you know, this is the biggest pond in craft beer in the U S and, um, just kind of figured it out, met this person and that person and was able to put together a really good staff. And, and like I said earlier, like we, we launched the brand and, um, and it just went nuts. 
I mean, we started selling a ton of beer right away. People just gravitated towards the brand and they gravitated towards wanting to wear the t-shirt and wanted to, you know, they, they really bought into the brand. And, um, you know, I think we were, you know, it was just, it was just kind of, you know, going vertical. And um, like I said, I raised 10 million to keep expanding the brewery. Like we always needed more tanks and we needed a bigger system to make more beer and, you know, a faster canning line and all of these different things. Um, and then I, so I had raised 10 million and I needed 10 more million to keep going. We were going to expand into Arizona and the Pacific Northwest. And, um, you know, I, I, I got a couple calls um, from a couple of folks that wanted to buy the brand. And I went, what? It's, it's only been two years, you know? And, um, you know, the, the, the first people that called um, offered about $30 million for the brand, which I said no. And then I wound up selling it for almost triple that um, four months later. And so, um, you know, I mean, to sell an alcohol, sell any business, I guess, in two years is, is um, not normal. Yeah, it's not normal um, at all. Especially, I think anytime, you know, I think any exit of any business is one in a million, right? Like growing up, I, I didn't even know anybody who owned their own business, let alone sell one, right? So like, I, I that's just, um, to do that was pretty, pretty unbelievable. And then I stayed at course for 18 months. It just didn't work out. And, okay. um, you know, I think I just wanted to do different things. It's funny, like I was saying, like, I sold it and didn't find that contentment, right? Like I still felt like I had something to prove probably because my own insecurities, you know, like that's where that comes from, right? Is the, the need for approval. You're not getting, you're, you're, not, you're not finding it within yourself. So you're trying to find it from other folks, right? Like you're trying to, you know, you want, you want that approval from people. And, um, you know, just, it wasn't enough for me, you know? Um, I still felt like I had something to prove. The insecurities were still there even after doing that. Um, wow. and so I, I started a couple more businesses. I started an alcohol distribution business called Scout and I started a coconut water business and little kids, organic juice business called Villager. And then I started another brewery called Harlan, all of that kind of those four businesses in between starting Ashland. Um, so it's, it's been busy, um, but with Ashland, I kind of felt like, you know, it was last summer, um, you know, I saw folks kind of drinking White Claw and I went, wow, there's no real brand in this hard seltzer space. Like, you know, White Claw and truly they're like big kind of faceless nothings, but there's like no independent craft version of what they're doing. And, um, you know, I knew I, I had a bunch of friends you know, um, influencer and like athletes and, and all these different folks that I knew I could get involved with it and do it with me. And, um, you know, it was crazy from idea to like being in the market was four months. So like I rushed it. And for some reason I had this, like, I need to rush it. The funny thing is, is like, I rushed it. I raised 1.7 million, um, to do it. And a week after I was done with the capital raise, 
And a week after we got into Costco and Ralph's and Target and Trader Joe's, all Whole Foods, all these different brands, all these different grocery stores, the NBA season closed a week later. Like COVID hit, everything went like, it was like, you know, it, it's like, would this business have happened if I tried to launch it now? No fucking chance in hell. Like there's just no, and like you can put together the, you know, like I feel like we have the best brand and we have the best team and we have the best liquid and we have the best, all of this stuff, right? But at the end of the day, you need some luck. You know, you need a couple, you need some, can you guys hear me okay? This, yeah, the sound, it just switched. It just, did it switch up on your end a little bit, D? Yeah, I don't know what it did, but it, it, it sounds just as good. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, so like you need all, you know, and then you need some luck. Like you just need luck on your side. And, and for us, as awful as it sounds for so many people, like COVID was lucky for this business. You know, like if you think about it from a brand perspective, you know, we came out before Bud Light, we came out for Coors's brands, we, we came out before Corona Hard Seltzer. So it was like White Claw, Truly, and like this new kid on the block. And like people had to experience our brand. And like, you're at the grocery store and like everybody's getting hammered at, like I said, 10 o'clock. So it's, it's like you, you just kind of, it was, that was lucky, man, straight up. You know, there's no, and you need some things like that to kind of break your way. I think the brand would have been successful regardless, um, but I don't know if it would have gone that vertical that fast. I mean, you know, we're selling, you know, we're, we're pushing 400,000 six packs in San Diego and Orange County inside of our, a month. You know, so like, I've never seen anything like that in my, in my life. I've never seen a brand come out like that, do that in any alcohol category in the U S I've never seen it. Wow. That's, yeah. It's been unbelievable. That's insane. So, so like talk, I want to, I want to uh, talk about like the, um, the selling point when you decided to sell to cores, like, cause you, yep. cause you guys sold for a hundred million, correct? Right around there. Yep. Right around there. Okay. So what was, cause I think, I think this is, um, like, important conversation because I know a lot of people they're interested in stuff like this so what was it like negotiating with a huge corporation yeah it wasn't as like impressive as you would think it would be <laughs> um it it, it it wasn't it wasn't um and then there was other folks that were bidding on the brand as well right there was like five okay. breweries that were all um trying to trying to acquire St. Archer and I mean you know like the people working at these brands they're just like us you know what I mean? Like they're not, it's not as intimidating as you would think it would be. And for me, I'm comfortable in those situations. So like, if anything, I was the aggressor and not really the other way around. It was, I never, yeah, just, you know, it just was, it wasn't like this huge dramatic, it's not like the movies, right? Right, like, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's really kind of uneventful. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, the process was very simple. Like I, I met with Coors, um, the gentleman who was running their uh, craft division and, and handling the, the mergers and acquisitions part of this was, you know, a great guy. And, um, and we just kind of like worked it out. You know, we talked, he learned about me and the brand where I wanted to go. And, 
they submitted their offer and I countered it a couple times and then other folks submitted their offers. And then it was like, dude, it was over. You know, it wasn't like this, you know, and then it would, you know, I flew to Brazil. <laughs> you know, like there's, there was no, it's, there was no, like, it's not that sexy, man. Um, it's just, it, it, it just kind of worked out. I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, getting someone to be interested in acquiring your brand, you know, that's, that's the hard part. Not, not so much like, you know, getting yourself through the negotiation and, and, uh, and, and generally like I'm way more involved than, than other folks would be. That's why they hire investment bankers, right? Like they, you know, a lot of people just go, they hire an investment banker. They're basically like an agent and like, go call these companies. I want to sell my company, like go get me the best deal you can. And they don't even really do a whole heck of a lot. You know, for me, I'm most comfortable being involved. So you guys sold um, pretty young, but for the average um, person, when do you think is really the appropriate time to sell? Oh man, that's, you know, for me, my philosophy is like, you know, there's no greed involved. There's no greed or ego involved for me. Um, so like, as soon as you can feel that, you know, you can feel the momentum of a brand, right? Like you can see the way people talk about it. You can, you see the way they consume it. You, you know, when you're doing this, right? Like where you're just vertical and the brand's humming and you can feel it. And for me, I would rather sell a business that's in on the way up, right? I don't go, well, I think it'll be worth 400 million and then I'll just hold out till I get that. And that's like, I don't look at it like that. I don't, um, I would rather, you know, sell it on the way up. Like, dude, sell the dream of it, right? Like, cause once you plateau, you plateau. Don't, why would you sell it when you plateau? Where's the person who's buying it gonna go? Right, that's not attractive. I, I would never buy it. It's like, you've already hit the top of the mountain. Why would I buy it now? You're on your way back down. There is no more mountain, right? Like you're, and so I think people get lost in that. Um, you know, if you have more runway to go, then that's another story. But like when you reach the top and then you go, okay, I wanna sell now. And then people don't want it. They don't get the number they're looking for. Well, it's like, well, what'd you expect? Um, and that's greed. Right. Ultimately, that's greed and ego. You want to make more money. You want people to think you're more amazing because you sold a company for more money. Um, a lot of times, there's not a lot of logic in that. You know, I see people all the time, and the window to sell a business is literally this big. It's like the smallest. The window is so small, and so many people just don't see it. You know, and you got to go get it. You know, most, that's what people like, they think, you know, it's easy to sell a company. Like you got to go get it. You got to like get people interested. You need to sell the business to them. You know, it's really rare that someone just calls and goes, Hey, here's a half a billion dollars. Great job with everything. You know, that just doesn't, that's nice in <laughs> fantasy land, but that right. just doesn't happen. You know? <laughs> That's hilarious, but man, that's man. You 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 bring in a lot of a lot of value. And as far as as far as like branding, like I want to ask you this: What do you think are the major things when 
branding a business? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they still struggle with that. They don't understand branding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, you know, that's my, you know, I've always, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a creative person. So like I, you know, it's, it's not common, I guess, to be like the main creative for a business and the CEO and like enjoy the business side. And, you know, I wear both hats. I'm, I'm the head of marketing and, and running the business day to day. So it's, I've actually never had another person in marketing for any of the businesses. Um, so I think for me, the brand really comes from all of the aesthetics that I've created for all of these brands with, with my good buddy, Pete Bastin. It's, it's, uh, we, we've aesthetically created all eight of the brands I've launched through the years. And, um, you know, I think I just know what I like, you know, like I know what I want it to look like. You can, you can look at all the brands I've created and see they're very similar in a lot of ways. And so um, I think most people don't have that creative, like um, what they want something to look like. They hire an agency and then they create them something. But, um, you know, for me, I've always had a definitive opinion on what did I wanted our brands to look like and feel like and what kind of um, stories we were going to tell. Some of them are really masculine, the breweries and Ashland is right down the middle where it's you know, girls are attracted to it and guys are attracted to it. And that's hard to do. That's a hard thing to do to get girls to think it's cute and guys to not be uncomfortable, right? Like that's, that's, that's hard to do. Um, and, and, you know, Ashland was the hardest one that I've done yet to where it took a lot of time developing the look of the cans and all, all the various artwork. And it took some time, but I think we got there. I love how you can tell that even though you left like your passion of being in the film industry, you still translated storytelling into your new business ventures. Like I love how you yeah, used to you. kept that piece of that um, with your new ventures. But something I did want to ask you mm-hmm. is, um, and I'm drawing like a complete blank. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's okay. Actually, it happens yes. to me all the time. <laughs> For the marketing piece of it, did you have any formal training or was this something that was just no. in you? I haven't had really formal training for anything. None of it all. No business <laughs> yeah. training or anything. Yeah, no, straight up. No. That's, that's no, amazing. No formal training. I was the worst student, to be honest. I try not to tell my kids that, but like, I was like the worst student. I mean, like, I fucking hated school. Like, I, I just, if I didn't like play sports and like, didn't have friends and like all dude I was the worst like C's and D's consistently you know which um my college for me sounded like the biggest nightmare of all time like just um I just you know I think school you know it's funny is like you see it just school is not for everybody you know like that was my biggest thing you know it's funny like I've gone and I've 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 uh I've spoken a handful of times at the USC Marshall School of Business here in Southern California. And um, it's when I'm in there and I'm like, a lot of times when I'm talking, I'm kind of looking at them going, I'm like, why am I talking to you? I'm like the antithesis of even being here. Like I should really be all telling you like save your 75 grand a year and go fucking do something with your life. You know? (laughs) And And that's like the... 
it's it's hard because that's the way I would look at the teachers. Like you, you, you know, you, I don't, I don't get it. Like you're telling me how to build a business, but you've never built a business. Like you're in here. Like who are you? And I, you know, I, I just knew that I wouldn't use algebra in my everyday life. I'm like, I don't give a shit about algebra. You know, like I don't, you know, I just didn't, I didn't see it. So it wasn't, you know, even when I go speak at these colleges, like before they introduce me and they're talking about their like, you know, that day's curriculum, most of the times I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. You know, like I'm like, and here I am, like, I, you know, like it's, uh, I'm, you know, most of the, I always tell them like, hey, I didn't even know that. Like, I just learned something today. I didn't realize that was like an important step of building a business. And, um, you know, so it's, oh, it's uh, yeah, formal training. I was probably the, the other way. But if you think about it, like, um, again, it comes back to that God-given personality. And like, I'm a firm believer, and depending on what you want to do in life, like if you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, or a CPA, or any of those like professional trades, you got to go to school, or right? you want to be a teacher, you got to go to school. But there's, there's so many professions where like, you just don't need to go to school. And like it, the person that you are, and now like Amazon, Apple, Google, all of these different, they're not requiring a college degree, right? Because like they're realizing that folks, like you don't need, I've never, I've hired probably over 300 people in the last like six or seven years, I've never asked one of them where they went to school. Wow. You know, it's just not, you know, is it really that important? It's like, can you do the job or not? I don't give a shit where you went to college. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, um, it's, it's really, you know, but I think it is good for people to kind of keep up with, you know, maybe that maybe reading business books inspires them and, and they learn different things and, I've always just learned by doing. I have the worst attention span ever. That's that's hilarious because I know I talk to a lot of people and they say something similar. They say I don't. They be like I don't read any fucking no. books. They all say that, a lot of times they say the same thing. They say I don't really pay attention. I just do what I do. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I did. Out. I wish I. I wish I did. I was like, yeah, you know, I. I mean, I read. I just don't read business books. You know, right. like I. Um, I just don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. I'm not interested in it. And so, um, and I feel like there's no real, you know, like I don't keep up on the trade journals of alcohol. Like I don't give a shit what other brands are talking <laughs> you know? So that's, I just, that's you hilarious. know, I think everybody's different. Everybody, everybody right. kind of, yeah, they have their own process. That's right. But it, it's cool to hear that because like you said in the beginning, I think a lot of people try to hear something like they want to they want to know some magic book that you read that gave you yeah. all the, the, the secrets insight. to do what you're doing. Right. Yeah. All the insight. So it's and it's I think it's hard for people to understand that that's really not the case for most people. No. That's yeah. what they want, though. They want like the quick fix. Because that's the easy way, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the it just doesn't exist like in life. You know what I mean? Like it's anything that's worthwhile is going to take a lot of time and it's going to be frustrating and like all of the different emotions and people just don't want, they don't want to go through all that. They just want the success. Yep. Yep. That's, that's very true. That's very true. And I, I want to, I want to talk about um, the, I, the idea of, cause this is something that you hear a lot these days. People might say, I don't want to go into this business. I don't want to go into this field because it's oversaturated. There's a million other brands doing that. I don't want to do that. What, do, what is your idea on that? 
or thoughts on that? Yeah, I just don't really give a shit about that. <laughs> um, well, why is that? I, I just like, you know, if you build a great brand, people are going to find it. You know, that's saturated, not saturated. It's like I built St. Archer. There were 8,000 craft beers in the U.S. So, I mean, I, don't know. I mean, if that doesn't mean anything to me. If you can, you know, you if you can outbrand, you can out storytell, you can hire the best people, you have the best product, you have the dude, people are gonna find it, man. You know, like, and that's just an excuse. Like mm. you're you're looking for a category that nobody fucks with. Well, why would you want to put a brand in that? Like that makes absolutely no sense. You're trying to find a get like hard seltzer, like everyone's drinking it. Like there's no barrier, there's no education, there's no none of this. It's like you're telling me all I gotta do is go in there and like create a better brand, better story, better company, better lit. Okay, yeah, I can do that. But imagine if I like went into a category because nobody else is in it, and then I had to educate everybody as to why they should be consuming it. That sounds like a lot of work, you know. Like that's and and then you're you know do people really want that? Do people really want to drink, you know, X alcoholic beverage that you're coming up with that, you know, has these different elements or do they just want to drink what they've been drinking, but they want it to taste a little bit better. They want it to look a little bit better. They want it to be the same price. Like, I, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. Just do it better than everybody else. And there's, dude, there's some categories you, you're not going to do it better than everybody else. Don't go into those. Right, like you're not going to get into the clothing game, and like you're not going to suddenly destroy Supreme. It's not happening. You know, like that's just like it's. There's certain categories where, dude, it's it's. You know, you're not going to like get into like handbags and luggage and and suddenly take out Louis Vuitton. It's not happening. Right, like it's just it. <laughs> But there's, but there's, there are massive categories where you can go in and disrupt with folks that are asleep at the wheel. You know, like I always say, like, if you guys later, right, we hop off this and then I, and then, and then when I say this, now you're going to do it, go, damn, he's right. Well, why the fuck do we buy all this shit? If you open up your refrigerator and you look at all the things that you buy, right? Bread, milk, cheese, whatever the hell it is or your pantry, you go, why do we buy all these brands? Like, why do you buy the almond milk that you buy? No reason. It's on the shelf. It looks okay. You can afford it. And you think it's somewhat healthy, right? But like, how come almond milk brands are billion dollar brands and they don't influence you at all outside of the grocery store, right? True. Okay. So when you think about those types of categories, you can go in and disrupt that. Now, there's a lot of challenges with getting on the shelf next to these big almond milk brands. But what I'm saying is, if you like Califia Farms or any of these other brands that have come in and disrupted, they go, our packaging's better, our product's better, everything is better, our storytelling's better. We just got to get on the shelf. Like in those categories, you can compete, you know? Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Oh. And I was going to say, with that being said, and I guess using Supreme is another example because 
you know, a company like Supreme, we've seen them sell pretty much anything and slap the Supreme logo on it and people a buy it. A red brick. I know. A red <laughs> people buy it. And it's really because of the brand itself. So with that being yep. said, what would you say is the true foundation of a good brand? I, I think it's um, just having a clear vision, you know, with Supreme, like James Jebbia's vision and, and discipline is, like I said, is the reason why they turned into what they are now, right? Um, and, you know, I could tell, like, you know, and, and the vision carries beyond an acquisition, right? He still has a long way to go. Like, I, they just sold their company and nothing has changed for him. He's in the office every day grinding just like he was 15, 20 years ago. So it's, I think, like, my vision is the same whether we sell a business or not right? There's a, there's where I want to go. There's, there's what I want to do. And that, that, like that, um, that never changes. Um, maybe, you know, getting to the end, I guess then it would change then and you refocus and figure out what you want to do, but having that clear vision for what your brand is, what it stands for, you know, the things that you believe in that you want to do, like what, what, what people work for your business, what other brands work for your business that maybe you want to collaborate with and like sticking to your guns and not, you know, jumping at every opportunity because it sounds good in the moment, but like staying disciplined and staying on the path with, with what you think is the best way to achieve your goal. But it's hard to stay that discipline, right? Like sure. you have a clothing company and, and, you want to keep it small and kind of like direct to consumer and like all these things. And you kind of build this hype and then Nordstrom's calls and you're like, well, shit, it is like a half a million dollar order. We can use that money. And then, and most people do it. And then dude, your whole thing just went out the way. That's it. Your whole plan, everything you had, like everything you wanted to do gone. You just chase that quick check. And it's, dude, that's, that's a lot of discipline to not do that right it's hard to do yeah because i can only imagine over these past 20 years how many brands and tried to do that with supreme and you see supreme they like you said earlier they stay they stick to their decor what their brand is they stick to that no matter what so yeah yeah Yeah. definitely and i want to i want to ask you i had another question oh yeah about building businesses so you built several businesses sold businesses what like like when you build a business, are you building it with the exit plan in mind? Uh, some of them, yeah. Okay. Some of them, some of them not. Um, some of them, it just kind of comes up or you go like, you know, hey, this could actually, if it's something that we want to do, yeah. I mean, but I think, I think if you're, it, you know, most people don't want to say, it's depending on the industry that you're in. Yeah, we, we don't want to, we, we don't want to sell. We want to stay core and we want to say all this. Right. But when you start taking people's money, you got to figure out a way to pay them back. Right. That's like, you know, everybody was upset when I sold the craft beer to Coors, right? Like you're, you sold out and fuck you and all this shit. Right. Um, but like, if you take people's money, that's what you're signing up for. Right. Like they're, they want to make money off their money and they're putting it in you. So if you, if you build a business that's never going to like really pay them back, like there's not enough cash profits coming in, well, you better think of another way to pay everybody back, right? And like a lot of times that's an exit. Only a couple of ways to get money out of a business, right? For an investor. So 
I'm very well aware of that when, when I'm raising money, like what's the best way to, you know, do right by the investors and make them the type of return that they're looking for. And in most cases, that would be, you know, an acquisition by a larger business, but that's hard to do. You know, it's, that's hard to do. Are there any of your businesses that you currently have that you would plan on keeping long-term? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Harlan, um, you know, our brewery here in San Diego is a, is a great business. Um, you know, like I've already sold a craft beer once. I'm not trying to do it again. Like I, I've been through that. I went down that road. Um, and, uh, you know, the other ones we'll see, you know, at a certain point too, I think it's, it's one thing to say that's your plan. It's another thing, you know, a lot of times like you might have to, right? Like um, Ashlam is up against, you know, a lot of production constraints. Like we just can't make enough liquid. You know, that doesn't mean that we would be fortunate enough to like just go partner with somebody or be acquired by somebody when we want to. But, um, you know, we have production constraints, right? It's like a, it's a real thing. We can't make enough liquid to fulfill orders. And so, um, I think a lot of them, you know, you, you say, hey, you know, I would be fine with an exit on this business. And then you get into it and, you know, all the, all the laundry list of emotions that goes into that. And it's just such a roller coaster, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous. It's not fun at all. <laughs> I, 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 I could only imagine. And I want to ask you, what is your, what is your um, favorite thing about business? Um, the competition. Yeah. I mean, the competition, like the, the disruption, you know, people getting pissed off. I enjoy that. <laughs> you know, like I enjoy that. That's when you know you're, you're winning, mm. you know, like that's when, you know, when your competitors are talking shit. Mm -hmm. and you know they're doing this and that and they're you know they everybody's got an opinion that's when you know you know like that's when you know that that you're you're pissing people off and in that little zone of of competition and and um you know putting your foot on the gas and like really disrupting is is probably my most favorite thing about it i i you only have so much of it in you but um you know, it's getting less and less. Like you can only live with your foot on the gas for so long before you're like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to watch some football. And, right. You know, that's enough. <laughs> See, and I get to, from this conversation, and for those that's, that's listening, this is the first conversation me, Deanna, and Josh has had. So if y'all think we may have talked to each other before, and I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because I get the sense that you're a person that's, that's brutally, not only brutally honest with others, but you're brutally honest with yourself. And True. I think that's extremely important. And would you yeah. like, would you attribute your like success to that? Um, um, I think maybe my success now as a person, um, maybe not, maybe not in business, but, um, you know, really being self-aware and, and, um, you know, I know what I'm not good at. I know what I'm not good at professionally. I know what I'm not good at personally. Um, you know, like 
I think the, the hardest thing when I read like the business books or when I have done that and, and looked at those things, I think the reason why I never gravitated toward them because they're kind of bullshit. You know, like you, you, I don't want to hear the glossy story of how you became a billionaire. I just don't really care. You know, like for me, I can tell you that I was singularly motivated by approval that I never got that I, or in the way that I needed as a kid. And like, this is the extreme version of that. Um, like, man, couldn't you like, just, I don't know, like do nope. a marathon or something. You know, like, <laughs> Had to take it all the way to the top. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was the motivator. That's the real, that's real. That's the real story. That's, you know, like I wasn't, you know, like motivated to build a craft beer because I had this dying passion for craft beer. I had this insecurity of like being accepted and like where I started to get feel accepted was the success of, of running this business. And then it kind of feeds the monster, right? Because you, you, you then start getting people tell you how great you are. And then you're like, okay, yeah, this is the approval that I was looking for. And, and that's where all of the motivation came from. And then you kind of get all of it and go, wow, I still feel awful. And you feel, you feel like you, there's no contentment because you're not, you're not being you and enough to yourself. And until you get there, people can tell you how great you are all the time. But really what I was looking for was that approval from within saying, dude, you, you did it. Like you did it. Mm. And um, that's what I was looking for. And mm. I think most people like they they have, you know, personal insecurities as motivators and they don't want to talk about them, but I think because um, they're embarrassed or whatever reason, but I think that's what inspires people. Like when they go like, dude, this dude's insecure, just like me. And like, that's actually what he used that insecurity as motivation to, you know, build these businesses. And that's a hundred percent the truth. Wow. I think this, wow, this, that's, that's a, that's a deep conversation because most yeah. majority of our audience is fairly like young between the ages is like 25 to like mid thirties. So yeah. I think I want to ask you like, what, what does, like, what did it take? What does it take to get to that point where you have that self-awareness? Is that something that just comes with age as you get older? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think it just comes with time. And I think it's just taking a look at yourself, the things that you like, the things that you say, like, do you like the way you treat people? How treat people treat you? Do you, do you, are you really being authentic to yourself? Like, do you really like the things that you say you do and that you, you act like you are um, backing and all these different things? Like, is that really you? And I think if you, you know, when you can answer that question and go, yeah, yeah, this is really me um then I think you're you're kind of onto something and I dude I've been through it all anxiety and mild depression and OCD I have all of that stuff um and you know I think it's like navigating through that and really the you know and that's where you know a large reason why I've been successful is because I'm OCD in my head right I get a thought in my head and it will not leave until I do it right and like so there's that's what I'm saying is a double-edged sword. You know, it's like, that's made me create these businesses because I get obsessed with it. And, but it's also, that's an awful way to live. It's incredibly taxing, right? Emotionally and physically. And, um, and then, you know, you know, being self-aware, yeah, it just comes with time. 
you know, it's funny, like I, um, you know, going back to like the quick little fun story is, um, you know, being proud of myself um, didn't come in any sort of monetary form. Um, about a year ago, I was flying into Philadelphia. My mom's from Philadelphia and that was like the trip we would do when I was a kid. And um, I was, you know, I would fly, we'd, I'd be looking out the window and I'd see Veteran Stadium then where the Eagles would play. And it was like this, you know, amazing thing. And so I'm flying in a year ago and I'm looking out the window down at the Eagle Stadium going, I'm flying back into Philadelphia at 40 years old because the president and general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles is an investor in my business. And I'm coming here to have dinner with him to catch up and, you know, see his family and see how things are going on. And that's when it hit me. That was in, that's, and it was a random on a plane. I went, dude, you did it. You did it. Like you can kind of, like you can kind of, you know, let go a little bit now. And that was what did it for me, right? It wasn't buying the house or the cars or more businesses or people telling me how great I am or people, you know, all these different things. It was looking out the window, flying into Philadelphia and just like a light bulb. Oh, you did it. Wow. That's because that's that's something like you like, like we said again. That's not something. Sometimes people look for stuff that's like fairy tale kind of stuff. That's very that's fairly a simple simple thing. Yeah. You just on the plane and the light bulb hits you saying, "Hey, yeah, yeah." Just like and it was like a personal thing, right? It had nothing to do with right. business, right? Nothing like and it, it you know indirectly it did because that's why I was there. But like maybe that's why my passion is sports. And maybe that's why, you know, I, I was, that's what did it, you know, in that same trip, like, you know, I, I, I'm courtside at a Sixers game and I'm like, I can't even believe this is like happening. I, you know, I can't even, you know, I came here with like, when I was a kid, we'd like barely be able to afford to go in we'd be at the top game and see anything, you know, like, and, and now I'm like right there and, it just uh yeah that's what did it man that's what it, that, that was it wow everything that, came full circle yeah yeah that's exactly that's exactly what it is and uh, yeah. uh one of the uh last questions i had for you yep. was how do you stay like after the wins the successes how do you stay not only like disciplined in your lifestyle but financially disciplined where you could go splurge mm -hmm. and, and go buy these cars and houses and all kinds of crazy stuff. How do you stay yep. disciplined and not do that? Uh, it's just not in me. It's just not, um, I think it depends on how you grow up, man. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I bought some stupid shit since I, started. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, it's just not, it's not sustainable, right? Like, once you once you buy a couple things or you go on a couple trips, you kind of fall back into your routine. And if you're, you know, I'm coming from a place of like wanting to compete and wanting to take these businesses to the highest level and really compete on the highest level. It's not so much about like, I want people to see me driving a Bentley and that's where my, you know, that's not where my thought process is. Right. Like I have, it's, it's, it's in a completely other place. And I think when, you know, and if you don't come from it um, and a lot of people 
don't come from it that become successful and then buy all these outlandish things. But for me, like I come from a blue collar place and that, that um, I think that molds you, you know, like Janine and I, you know, had nothing. We had nothing. We sold our wedding presents for money, you know, like, dude, we had nothing. And so I don't think that, and I would never trade that for anything. I, I just, I don't think that that leaves you. And so even to this day, like I get my direct TV bill and it's $250. I'm like, what in the fuck? How is this even, you know, like, you know, I don't, I don't think that ever, that ever leaves, right? Like, hopefully, I hope it never does because I think that that keeps you grounded and, and it keeps you in, in having gratitude. And like, we very much appreciate, you know, how easy we have it financially compared to like some of the folks that are really struggling that, you know, all of our friends are paycheck to paycheck, you know, like I have the same friends, they're doing the same things. And like, it keeps you in that lane of like, dude, don't be an idiot. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I think that's, man, I'm, I'm so glad you just said that. Cause it just made me think of something like how do, cause like you said, you come from a, from a humble, humble background. And so, and yep. so do I, so does D and like, so how do you deal with those? Like, cause this is a, <laughs> this is a conversation Deanna and I have often cause like not even try, try to toot my own horn, but we like new into like having something for ourselves and becoming yeah. like, some people yeah. see us as success stories and we like yeah. new to that. So like, how do you yeah. deal with those people when you come from humble beginnings where they might be looking at you differently or anything Definitely. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's disappointing. Mm. You know, like that's just real. It's disappointing. I think when you, most people are disappointing. That's just, <laughs> that's like, that's just the nature of it. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. just, that's like, you know, you make money, they don't have it. Even if, even if you have success and they don't have that, they people want something from you or they want to like tear you down to make themselves feel better and like kind of try and put you on their level and i mean i could go on and on with like how many people asked me for money how many people like tried to sue me over saying art like cr the craziest shit you know like family members showing up at my house unannounced asked me for three hundred thousand dollars yeah. No. Oh, yeah, hell like, no. And like, that's the, you know, and like, and they ask you for it. Like, it's like me giving you 30 bucks, right? Like, it's like, it's, it's, you know, and I think um, those things hurt, you they know, hurt, like do. it, it hurts. Like it, it's not, you know, people that go, oh, I don't give a fuck. And oh, that's, yeah, you do, you know, like it hurts. And, and I think, you know, you people like can look at you different, you know, people are more intimidated by you. Like people are intimidated by success. So then you get people kind of like that you don't know that well, that kind of like have their chest out and like, they're like, there's a little bit of vibe there. And you're like going, dude, we're just here having a beer, like relaxed, you know? And I think that's, that's hard. I think it's like, and for me, like for there's there's two types of things people that become really successful they either go out and search for more of it like they search for the 
you know, like you want to go out and be noticed and you want people to tell you how great you are. And like, oh my God, you're this person. And you're, I went the other way. Like I just went home and like stayed with Janine and the kids and became more introverted because I just got, I got tired of, you know, like the small talk and like, yeah, we sold it. Yeah, it's going well. Yeah, it's fucking this. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you just, and you know, they're not really, they don't really give a they shit. They don't care. No, well, it's okay. like, so it's like, dude, I'll just stay home. I'm good. Like, I'll just, I don't need that. But I'd say like, for the most part, yeah, it's really hard to deal with, man. It's, it's a bummer. And people, you know, no one wants to hear you talk about it, right? They don't want to hear from you two. And you guys are complaining. They're like, fuck you. What are you complaining for? Like, you guys are killing it. You know, they think like, they yes. think, and they, and people think money is the answer to everything, right? So like, once you have it, they think there's nothing else in life to like be a challenge. So then you, you know, you kind of start keeping to yourself and you only talk to the handful of people that you trust and that like actually <laughs> like will give you honest opinions instead of just like, well, shut the fuck up. You have money. You're good. Don't worry about it. You're like, well, no, no, actually that's not, that's not the way it works. You know? Man, it's like you speak on my life right now. This 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 has been this has been a very um insightful conversation for 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 definitely for me. I'm like, man, awesome. this is yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> this has been an extremely extremely insightful situation. Cause like I said, me and the, like well, I'm twenty I'm twenty seven years old. Deanna, she's twenty four. And man, good for you guys. Thank, you're thank, you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and and a lot of this, this a lot of this stuff is 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 new to us. We can't like just just what three years ago, four years yeah. ago, I was broken shit. So yeah. a lot of this stuff is like I don't want to say I don't know how to deal with it, but sometimes I struggle with like dealing with certain situations. Yeah. So like hearing some of the things you say is extremely uh, insightful and helpful to me. I know for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think getting used to people judging like you're every, everybody has an opinion, you know, and you can't like live like that, but you have to get, you have to start being conscious of like the way you, th the what you say and the way you say it, right? Like you kind of got to, you get the people you don't know or in whatever kind of social setting, like, you know, just, you know, I keep things very short and, um, you know, try not to like get into these. I mean, I've been taking my my now 10 year old, my oldest son to school. I've had people hand me business plans while dropping him off at school. Oh, that's gotta I be mean, annoying. Oh my shit. gosh. Like walking him in, I'm wearing his backpack, holding his hand and they're like, I'm trying to get him in, you know? <laughs> and and they're like handing me, oh dude, I'm doing this blah, 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 blah. Here, I'm like, dude, get the fuck. Dude. And then and then when you don't, and then if you react like that, like, dude, I'm taking my kid into school, like, don't fucking, right? Then you're an asshole. And then they tell all exactly. of my friends, dude, you know that, you know that like business guy that thinks he's a man, <laughs> like, oh, fuck you know? Like, this is like, not no, the time place. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like taking my kid to school, really, you know? Like, you know, and then, and then people, they love talking about stuff like that, you know? Mm. So you just being conscious all the time gets pretty exhausting. Mm, yeah this wow yeah yeah so <laughs> like i said this is i'm gonna uh, definitely be going back to listen to this episode a couple times this has been this has been very very insightful seriously and uh awesome. I, yeah definitely and i have only had only have two more questions they're not long yep. questions like that so one of them one of them was uh so for someone that's 
in a in a position where they might want to get into business. They start from ground zero, like how you were like how when you first started. And they mm-hmm. any advice, like what's the best advice you would give them that can help them like in their immediate situation? Yeah, I think it's like what I said earlier. I think it's like just jumping in the deep end for whatever that means. You know, like really going for it and and like really whatever whatever the deep end means for your business, go there and like really like live it and like don't have a fallback one. Just go for it and like push yourself over the ledge. And that's like the biggest thing, whatever it is, it could be anything like go full bore a hundred percent because until you do, it's not going to happen. Right. There's oh. nothing that you do. That's worthwhile. If you do it 50%, that's going to happen. Nothing. I don't care what it is. That's, 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 that's heavy right there. I, I love it. And my, my um, final question was who is, cause I know you have me into sports. Who's your favorite sports team and your favorite athlete? Oh, brother. <laughs> I mean, my, favorite, my favorite sports teams are all the Philadelphia teams. Okay. Um, I mean, Michael Jordan. Mm. Michael Jordan. Close second. A close second, Allen Iverson. That's I understandable. Actually, I, I actually feel bad saying Jordan over Iverson, but it's... <laughs> I it's that's the honest to God truth. I think Jordan, like, you know, when you watch the the last yeah. dance, which was unbelievable, unbelievable, like all those, you know, I have a lot of those same competitive making, making things up in my head that will motivate me for, you know, and th- there's a lot to that. Like when you're, when I'm watching the documentary on Jordan, I'm like going, dude, he, he's still not there right he's still like in these competitive like when you're still talking shit about byron russell you know whatever (laughs) you know you're like dude i almost feel bad that he's like not at peace with it seems like he's not at peace with himself Mm. and i think that like you can see it you know you can like you can feel that, like he's still like, no, fuck that, dude. How could you ever compare him to verbal? Whatever it is, you're like, dude, you're, man, that sucks that you're Michael Jordan and the contentment is not there yet. Mm, yeah, I mean, you're is. Michael fucking Jordan. You're literally. Like, you're, yeah. you're, no one will ever be Michael Jordan. I don't care what LeBron fucking. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> you talk, you talk, you talking to a Cleveland girl. She from Cleveland. So she love, she love LeBron. I love LeBron. LeBron. There's like, I, there's like Michael Jordan, and then there's everybody else, right? Like even culturally, what he did for the game, like you'll never do that. Right? Yeah, like nobody. And it's fine. Like he does. LeBron is amazing. Top five by himself. You don't need to be Jordan. Mm. Just. Be LeBron. You're amazing. He's amazing. I'm so happy for you, Cle. And now you got a <laughs> playoff win. Man. We're killing. It. We're coming up. <laughs> no, huge. Yeah. yeah, they made huge, huge progress. <laughs> Cleveland is the. But yeah, I, I, even like with the Michael Jordan thing, even when I seen his um Hall of Fame speech, he invited his the guy that made the team over him when I think he was a sophomore. He invited yeah, like, him to his Hall of Fame speech to call him out yeah. and say like, "Hey, picked you over me." Like that's crazy. So yeah, yeah, I you're like, hey, you're like, that's nice, kind of, I guess. <laughs> like, but why like, am I here? <laughs> yeah, why am I here? And like, you're kind of embarrassing me. 
embarrassing. That's what it was. Yeah, you're like, was, and was... that's sad. Man. <laughs> like that's like, dude, it, that's that's one place where I think LeBron has definitely got him beat. Is he's he's uh seems like such a better dude, you know? Like LeBron, yeah. how can you not love <laughs> LeBron? He's like building schools for kids. I mean, what else do you want from him? Right, right. You, yes, that's. Yeah, that's Yeah, he's 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 like when, it's like he's kind of sick in the head, but like it's it, it worked out for him tremendously. That worked that that worked that work But like you said, that competitive that competitiveness is kind of is like a is like a gift and a curse. Like sometimes, I mean, if you think about it, like I love the sports talk. So one more thing, if you think about it, like who has come into the league with more pressure? to be like the next great oh. basketball, then LeBron, Nobody. no one, no Nobody. one. And, and he exceeded like, it. And then exceed it. That's impossible. Like, in that, in that area, he has Jordan beat times a million, right? Mm. Like, dude, and I don't care who it is. No one will go to nine straight finals, win or fucking lose them. Like that's happen. just, that's never going to happen. <laughs> like that's just never, never going to happen. Go. <laughs> 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 It is crazy that he exceeded everyone. I mean, dude, I mean, he was like, I was watching his high school games. Mm. You know, um, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And he exceeded it in the social media area where it's like oh, everywhere you turn, there's cameras looking for you to yep. fuck up. And he's, and he's never messed up once. He's, <laughs> not once. Not anything yeah, that we not know one of. Thing. Like, what do you, that's the thing. Like, when people say all this stuff, like, what do you want from him? He's a good dad. He's a good husband. He's like, Family dude, man. Who gives a shit if he went to Miami? Do you really care? Who cares? You know? Cleveland cared. Yeah, it's like, leave the kid. He was 24 years old. Leave him alone. Jesus, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Yeah. He got a really hard after that. Yeah. And he made a ton of money for the Boys and Girls Club. Like, we don't yep. talk about that. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, it's like, and it's like they said, hey, we can raise a bunch of money if you do this here. Well, sound good? Yeah, sure, sounds good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So what, he, what, he's, what he's done over his career, it has been completely um, amazing. It, it, it's been unbelievable. I know a couple, I know Deanna's gra grandmother was pissed when he left the second time. She was like, oh, F him. Imagine. Uh, yeah, That's she was favorite son right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. He was breaking hearts in Cleveland. Yeah, he like, brought right. Oh I mean, honestly, God. after he won that title in Cleveland, he could have killed somebody, and people would be like, <laughs> "Well, he's tired." You know, he's tired. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he's tired. He's hungry. He doesn't uh, know. <laughs> that's no. I think I think you. I think that's the truth to that statement. Yeah, I really up. do. Being in Cleveland, when I he was there. That. I'd be like, well, you know, he's he had a long flight. What do you what do you want from him? He, he didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh, this is forgiving. Oh, all this, oh, no, no, okay. This, I promise. This is my last question. What do you what yep, do you think about the Doug the, the Doug Peterson fire? Oh boy. Well, I mean, I if for, like you know, I'm not I'm not annoying friend. When you have friends that are like on the inside running the team, I'm the one probably like driving them nuts with text messages or like, will you leave us alone? Like you, we know you want to know everything that's going on, but we got a business to run. Um, I think like, I think it's tough. You know, I think, um, I think like when we won the bowl, 
in in 17 i think like maybe you know the foot came off the gas not everybody in the organization but i think select folks maybe the foot came off the gas a little bit and you weren't really like sticking to what got you there and like do i think carson forgot to play quarterback no mm. you know but i think like and do i think and i love jalen hurts i love him I think he's a, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, but like you draft a quarterback in the second round behind the dude, you just gave 140 million bucks to it's going to cause some issues, Biggest, you know, issues. but Jalen is a winner, man. He is. You know, he, like, he's a winner. He's like, dude, you go to Alabama and Oklahoma and win. I've that is insane. You know, and like, dude, and he's not like, I don't think Jalen's in there trying to make friends either. He's trying mm. to be the guy. Mm. I he's get that. To... I get that from him when I, yeah, when he's, I, when not, I dude, watch. he's a killer. He's mm. a killer, man. He's getting, he, he's in there going, I want this to be my team. Right. Like that, like any of the great ones would do. He doesn't want to sit right. on the bench. Right. And the, the Eagles have their, it's uh, going to be a very dramatic off season, which is fun for me because now I get to like follow it and there's a bunch of drama and it distracts me from all the work bullshit. So like it's, it's, it's fun. I'm like, but it's a lot of drama right now, man. A lot. I mean, are you a bears fan? If you're from Chicago? Don't, don't, don't get it. So I'm a, like, I always tell people this, I'm a bears fan by default, but at the yeah. core, I'm really, I'm really a Patriots fan. I've always been okay. like, a Patriot. I, I like their organization. And I'm still, well, even though know, they suck this year. I'll yeah, you'll never have any sympathy for me when you win six titles. So. <laughs> Dude, you've had enough. And that's everyone. I mean, it has been interesting, though, to see like Brady do well. I'm right? rooting for him. Like, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, it has been. It's like, then it makes you wonder, like, I think Belichick is great, but maybe you wouldn't have been that great without Brady. Yeah, hey, I, I think I, I think I think you got a point. Just seeing what happened this year, where Patriots went five and eleven, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, and Cam uh, looked pretty good in some of those games. He did, and they still yeah. they kind they kind of stunk. And Tom Brady looked like he maybe going to the in a, a uh, NFC Championship. So I mean, can you believe it? And he doesn't yeah. age. Like, what is up with this dude? Like, what? <laughs> That's what happens when you've been eating cucumbers for the last three years. <laughs> The dude, hey, that that dude's a killer. Talking he, about killer, he's he, he's he's one of those too. That he with is, the with the he's yeah nuts. Yep. yeah he's us. That's it, what you need. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, yeah, man, before before we wrap up, I just want to say we really really appreciate you coming on. This, like I said, this was extremely valuable. I know for me personally, this was extremely insightful. So I just want to say we really really appreciate you taking the time out your busy schedule to come on and talk with us. And we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to do this again. Man. I'll make sure I keep in touch with you. I, I love this episode. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm Thank happy you. to come back anytime. Definitely, of definitely. Course. And before we let you before we let you go, do you mind them plugging their stuff where people could purchase products, maybe find you on social media, everything? Yeah, really just Ashlyn Hard Seltzer is the Instagram. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> and that's that's always so, like I said, we appreciate you coming on and wrapping up yeah. for those who don't know, you can find me, follow me on Instagram at Xavier C. Miller. And D, what's your information? And you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent and Twitter is Deanna S. Kent. And make sure you follow Millionaire Montez on Twitter and Instagram and follow Park Hill Capital on Instagram. 
And that's all we have for you guys. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Million Mindsets Podcast. See you guys next episode. Peace. Hey, turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher Ain't no more excuses valid, get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been chasing greatness I'm stacking now and balling later, in the conversation We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments And sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million if you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it No Deanna, speak that sh- that everybody voucher Ain't no more excuses valid, get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant